We're going to be uh, taking a look at uh, some of the numbers and uh, what uh, we in Canada are spending and uh, what uh, other NATO countries are spending when it comes to our obligation to our fellow NATO countries and NATO allies. Uh, this is after now uh, Jim Mattis, the U.S. Defense Secretary, uh, Sec- Secretary uh, said on Wednesday, which is today, uh, that uh, he believes that uh, the a number of uh, NATO members are n- not falling in line and carrying their weight when it comes to uh, you know helping out their allies here in uh, NATO. And uh, this is echoing the demand that uh, has been made by President Donald Trump uh, that uh, NATO must adopt a plan this year that sets a milestone and dates for governments to meet a military funding goal of 2% of GDP. Uh, The Pentagon chief called it a fair demand based on a political reality and uh, saying that no longer can the American taxpayer carry the disproportionate uh, share of the defense of Western values. Interesting stuff. He says Americans cannot care more for your children's future and security than you, than you do. Strong words. And, you know, being Canadian, you think that we are carrying our own weight in Afghanistan and whatnot. But uh, someone who knows a little bit more about this than I do, Christian Luprecht, who is a professor of political science at the Royal Military College of Canada, joins me on the line right now. Christian, thank you so much for joining me today. Are we uh, not carrying our own weight in, in NATO? Look, defense spending is like an insurance policy. And ultimately, you got to decide how big the risk is, and what sort of coverage you want to buy for that risk. And that's a political decision, and different countries make different types of calculus on that. And of course, every dollar that you spend on defense, that's money that you don't have for economic prosperity, for social harmony, for other types of social programs. And so there's inherently trade-offs here, especially in tight fiscal times. And some people might also turn the tables on the United States and say, well, the Americans think our allies are spending too little, but maybe the Americans are also spending too much. And and, and that might be a possibility. I'm sure that uh, politically a lot of people believe that. Do you think that when Mattis and uh, President Trump uh, are, are calling out NATO allies, are they singling out any specific countries? Are we in their crosshairs on this? No, look, so this has been part of the objective of NATO from the beginning. People think of NATO as a military alliance, but NATO, another way of looking at it is as solving collective action problems. And there's two fundamental problems that have always plagued NATO from the beginning. One is that the other, the non-American NATO member allies, want to make sure they keep the United States engaged. They want to avoid isolationism and retrenchment by the United States. And so under the current conditions, this is one of the objectives that NATO fulfills. From the Americans' perspective, it's a way of trying to avoid a race to the bottom when it comes to defense spending, making sure that you hold everybody's feet to the fire and that they contribute enough to the overall effort. And so what we're seeing is precisely this sort of conversation. Uh, Countries like Canada in particular have a very strong interest in making sure that the Americans stay actively engaged when it comes to global and international security and defense issues and that they use NATO as the primary multilateral arrangement to do so. And so it means that when the Americans start to complain, then yes, you can bet that everybody's going to 
step up a little bit more, and I suspect that's also what we're going to see in our own defense, uh, in our own budget uh, coming down the line in a couple of months. Um, and this is basically what the British Secretary of Defense, uh, Michael Fallon, has put forward, that you know it's not realistic for countries to double their defense spending. Uh, I mean, if you think about this in Canada, so we spend about, say, roughly $20 billion a year in defense. The total federal government's program spending is maybe around say, 88 or so billion dollars a year, so that's direct program spending. Um, it's simply not feasible to ramp that up from 20 to, say, 40 billion dollars, let alone in a year, but maybe we can get to sort of a trajectory as the British Secretary of Defense, uh, Minister of Defense uh, suggests, where we can start to spend a little bit more. And ultimately, this is not about sort of Canada sort of free riding or so, because Canada, and that's the message that the Minister of National Defense has been sending, the Minister of Foreign Affairs, and the Prime Minister when he was in Washington, is a reliable ally that can be counted on to contribute with real capabilities and to reinforce that we're in northern Iraq, we're in the Baltics, we're contributing significantly to bilateral defense. Uh, and so it's not really how much you spend that counts, but rather what it is that you can do with this money. And clearly, whether Estonia or Latvia spend 2% on defense or whether Canada spends 1% on defense, Canada with that 1% spending is able to achieve considerably bigger capabilities. And Christian, that's something that, that I want to bring up. I'm talking to Christian Luprecht, who's a professor of political science at the Royal Military College of Canada. Christian, is this 2%, is that m- metric actually a valid one if we can punch above our weight class and not have to spend that much? See, personally, I've never thought that's a particularly useful way to think about defense spending. What we want to think about is the capabilities that countries are able to contribute, uh, whether countries are actually prepared to deploy those capabilities. We have countries that spend a significant amount within NATO, but that are rather reticent to deploy their capabilities. And I would say that in the overall scheme of things, I think of NATO as sort of like a variety pack at the beer store. And in the variety pack, you don't like all the flavors the same. And <laughs> I don't want that coffee American, beer, Christian. <laughs> for, uh, for the Americans, I think they've always liked the Canadian flavor. And that that shows in the fact that when the Americans have a significant operation that's in line with either a UN mandate or a NATO mandate, then Canada can always be counted on to contribute. And Christian, uh, final question, is NATO, you know, now you know, so many years after the Cold War facing a crisis, uh, now that uh, there's this conversation going on about uh, whether or not everyone's pulling their weight? Look, among NATO member countries, that accounts for about 75% of the total of the world's total defense spending. It clearly shows that democracy is not just something to be taken for granted, but democracy needs to be defended. And we live in a challenging world and never has collective defense, I would argue, been more important and more significant than in the sort of circumstances in which we live today. And so I would say that the American rhetoric about NATO is more an effort at sort of negotiating out in the open with NATO allies about what are they going to, uh, to pony up rather than a real significant, uh, uh, genuine threat by the Americans to retrench and isolate themselves because the Americans and no one better then a former Marine general would know that it is not in the U.S. interest for the Americans to isolate themselves from their partners. Appreciate the time, Christian. Much appreciated. That's Christian Luprecht, who's a professor of political science at the Royal Military College of Canada.